Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Here is my confession. I struggle with hope. I am assembled in such a way that I have a melancholy temperament followed by choleric. This means I might be crabby and bossy, and maybe on the same day. Um, Throughout my journey with Jesus, and maybe even a little bit before, when God was reaching out to me, and those of the Wesleyan ilk call that prevenient grace, um, I had just bouts with just feeling like life wasn't worthwhile at all. I had a lot of struggles. I was in a very dark place in a dark time. And I remember walking out in the woods by myself and it was still a little bit snowy everywhere. And there was a little brook there. And I just kept walking along in the kind of sort of mushy, cold, damp, wooded area that I was in. And I just stopped on the bank that I was standing on and looked over on the other side, and I'm sure I was in just a very distraught, emotional place, and I saw these white crocuses across the stream, and they caught my attention. And I just stood there and looked at them and looked at them and looked at them, thinking, what? Those are planted bulbs. This is out in the middle of woods with nothing and nowhere And why would somebody dig and put them there? It just sort of didn't make sense to me. And, you know, looking back on it now, that's the kind of thing that God knew would catch my attention and and capture my mind and get my mind thinking. And I really feel that that was God reaching out to me saying, there is hope. There is hope. As I said, I am someone who can identify the problems very clearly, and that is a spiritual gift. As long as I don't let those problems become the main focus of my attention. And sometimes, to be quite honest with you, that's a trick, really. It really is. I'm thinking today of many ministry leaders that are just challenged I have said that I am sort of on the sidelines watching this all unfold for the past 18 months and ministry leaders trying to figure out what is going on. And this is, my friends, a rather nasty transition to live through. And transitions are never fun. Ask any woman who's given birth and she will tell you about transition in the middle of That's the moment from when you're going through labor, labor, and the baby's about to start 
getting ready to seriously show up, there's a period called transition and it is rugged, no matter how many babies you had. And men, sorry, that's just, that's just how that goes. But I will say this, it is nasty business and challenging. And our faith is being challenged to the core. You know, what is going to become of the church? I gave my life, I set down everything I was going to do and be in the secular realm in order to grasp a hold of that for which God has laid hold of me. And now that for which God has laid hold of me seems to be crumbling, and I'm not sure what to do next. I would say one thing to you, and I would say get a coach, and you're going to say, well, that's rather self-serving of you. And I suppose on some level it is. And I got to tell you, I really stink at sales. So this is not a sales pitch in that, in that vein, but it is a heart cry, a heart cry for you to reach out and to get somebody to journey along with you. You can look into spiritual directors. You can look at a coach, a ministry coach. And I, and I am a ministry coach, but I'm a ministry coach because I have been there, done that. And it's been grueling at times, in all honesty. And there were times that I thought it was going to take the best out from me and it was never going to arise ever again, which was not true. It's not true. Uh, so don't believe that lie that that when things go asunder, there's nothing left. How many times in Scripture does it say God makes beauty out of ashes. So if you're feeling like an ash heap today, that's spelled A-S-H heap, just to be clear. Um, if you're feeling like an ash heap today, just know that you are a beloved, beloved child of God this day. And God has plans for you Look at, we all like to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, and we've got to reflect and remember on the circumstances of that passage where all of these people were taken from their homeland, like having the rug pulled out from underneath of them and they were plopped somewhere else. And it makes for nifty reading. But if you really think about what they were going through to be totally uprooted and not know where you're going, the culture in which you're going to find yourself. And yeah, you can say, well, they had it coming. But, you know, I mean, that's the Old Testament cycle is, you know, they had it coming. Eventually it did come and there you go. And so, you know, they're living into that reality of which end is up. And God still says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Hope again. When I went on a walk to Emmaus, some of you may have done that. I did it in, oh golly, 90s sometime. Yeah, I was, it was then. They got special permission to rename the tables. Usually they're named for biblical characters or something, but they wanted to do it different. And I kind of laughed. I was sat at the table of hope and I, I thought, man, I am that is a low ingredient in my cake mix here. That is just a low ingredient for me. Sometimes I struggle to find hope. But I'm here, I guess, to tell you and 
that I am somebody who struggles with that very thing, and yet I'm going to stand firm and say there is hope. There is hope. God has something good. I believe today the church is in that nasty transition, and here's what I think about this. I think that there will be micro-ministries arise that will be done and, and accomplished from within traditional church settings. I think there will be ministries arise, micro-ministries alongside of the traditional church. And I also think that there will be ministries, micro-ministries arise that run parallel and independent of a traditional church setting with people wholeheartedly following Jesus. And those of us who are called into ministry, you know, Jesus had 12, you know, and I'm not ripping on the mega churches because I've been in some phenomenal settings that are mega churches doing so many things right that, you know, what can you say? But on the other hand, I'm also seeing the shift go on. Hey, I would love to hear what makes you crabby or what might make you crabby on just the right day, you know, or maybe, maybe you know what makes your friend in ministry crabby. You could send that along too. Send it to Margie at MargieBryce.com. That's Margie at MargieBryce.com. And that may indeed be fodder for our next session together. Here, I'm going to close us with just a thought of how things might look different, okay? And this, my friends, is the saga of worm poo, and that's P-O-O, in case you're wondering. Worm poo, just like it sounds. So, I was serving in my last congregation. It was a merger of four and a half churches, and it was southwest of Detroit. And I went to one of the congregants' homes, and she had the most lavish, lavish flowers I had ever, ever seen. And I said, what are you doing? Is this miracle Grow or what's your, what's your secret here? Because they were just stunning and huge and colorful. And she said, no, no. She said, it's worm poo. I said, what? What? She said, it's worm poo. And I said, well, where do you get that? And she says, and I, I love this line forever. I will be recounting this to people. She said, I have worms. <laughs> so I, what do you mean you have worms? This is somebody whose house was so meticulous and beautifully decorated. She, you know, Pier 1 Imports, you know, when that was all the rage and stuff. It was a beautiful home. I went, do you mean you have, where do you have worms? And she says, downstairs. So she took me down and there was this little box and she showed me how you can put food in the top and they all come and eat. And they're just little tiny, like you can hardly see them, worms. They would eat and then the poo would drop and then in the drawer below and you would pull it out and you would save it and put on your flowers and they would look amazing. And I, it just snapped, something snapped. And I said, I, you know, we need to think about this and we need to put it together as a business. You know, you could be the church of worm poo, if you like. And what you would really be doing is helping people to get some job skills. So you take a business like worm poo and you teach people how to produce their product 
You can have people in the marketing department doing the web development and and managing email lists and all that kind of thing. And you could engage your community and, you know, come and give corn cobs to the worms and, you know, do kind of a green thing there. And you could, and my mind was just going on and on and on. Well, you know, that seemed a little, it just didn't take off the way, you know, if I'd had somebody say, oh, man, this is a great idea, then, you know, we would have been off and running for sure. And I'm pitching this idea and someday somebody's going to do something like this. And I'm thinking that that is the way the church is going to look in places, in pieces, and in parts, that we will have businesses, nonprofit arise in such a way that we're either going to help give people job skills or something. We're going to exist for the sake of our community and help our community do and attain something. And it's not going to be about get yourselves in here and sit in the pew and be like us. It's going to be about how can we help you improve your lives here in our community and how can we serve you and how can we help that to happen for you. So, That, my friends, is my big pitch for hope is worm poo, because I believe God is indeed doing a new thing, and we need to perceive it. We need to pray through and ask God, what would you have me to do and to be? And then watch for God to arise. And then you got to start walking on the bridge, even though it is not quite built yet. And that is still what I'm doing with this ministry here, is trying to be faithful and obedient. So at the end of the day, I could put my head on the pillow and say, was I faithful and obedient today? Yes or no, with this day and this day only. So, and I will also add then that sometimes my issues stem from the fact that I am a visionary. I can see things existing that don't yet exist. And this calls to me to reel myself in and rein myself in so that I can stay rooted in today and in the here and now that God has called me into so that I can be alert, alert to what God is doing in my midst. So blessings on all y'all this day. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for considering what it looks like to be the crabby pastor. And my hope and prayer would be that you would be doing everything that you need to do to not be the crabby pastor.